and welcome to another episode of Shedcast, the companion podcast to the Shedinburgh Fringe Festival. It's brought to you by Putting It Together. My name is Brian O'Sullivan. Welcome along. Midday again uh, after our first double bill. It was great to have uh, two shows in one night, wasn't it? I hope you got a chance to see them. It was Yolanda Mercy and Joe Selman Lever who did uh, their respective shows, Quarter Life Crisis and Labels. And uh, it was a great night. It was a great night. I mean, they were, they really worked well as as a double bill, I must say. Um, if anything, I'm only a little bit disappointed in myself that I, well, because I hadn't been able to see the shows before I chatted to the artists, maybe we went down some cul-de-sacs, <laughs> I don't know, some conversational cul-de-sacs that perhaps I would have had a better um, angle if I'd been able to see the shows. I kind of watched the shows and said, oh, I should have talked about that, I should have asked that. But, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But what we did get is a wee bit more about about their lives and their journeys towards these shows. Um which I always find fascinating. I always like to know... I mean, I talked to Yolanda about her childhood and making up shows, you know, like I, I always talk on this show about making up shows in the loft. She talked about making up variety shows, and that was great. Um, and to Joe about his, his training and his interest in, in solo performance and, you know, how that's how that's made the approaches to that um, and what, what he focused on in his university training. So, you know... These are angles that maybe I wouldn't have taken if I wanted to talk solely about the content of the shows. You know, it's all good. It's all good. It's all useful. Thank you very much for listening, by the way, and um, I'm really glad to have your company today. I enjoyed uh, the double bill last night, and it it just broke it up a wee bit as well. But I tell you what, I am looking forward to tonight so much. Inua Elms, the creator of the Barbershop Chronicles, is doing his special... Uh, I don't know what, what what he refers to it as, live, audience-led, I think he says, audience-led uh, poetry night, which is called Search Party. It's a sort of a poetry spoken word thing, and it's on tonight at 7.30. And then tomorrow at 7.30, we get Tim Crouch's first play, My Arm. Now, that's that's quite a coup for the French to have Inuit Elms followed by Tim Crouch, as you can imagine. Tickets for both of these things are still available. Go to shedinburgh.com and click on tickets below whichever artist you want to support. And the ticket prices start at £4. It's, as you'll agree, a fantastic bargain. An amazing lineup. I'm so excited um, about the next couple of nights, but the rest of the festival in general. And the fact that I get to talk to these people, unbelievable. So, it's a double episode today because it was a double bill last night. So I'll talk to you a little bit more in between times because first of all what I'd like to do is bring you the chat that I had with the wonderful Yolanda Mercy who's here with me and we are putting it together. So, uh, you're just about to go on. Are you, do you feel ready? Does it feel different? What's happening? It feels really exciting. Um, it's the weirdest thing, right, to be back in a theatre space after not being able to go for over four or five months and to be here at Soho and performing this piece and sharing it with an audience who are tuning in wherever they are. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, what, what kind of scale of piece is it normally? So usually it tends to be in a theatre space which has, um, well size really varies actually because originally we did it in quite a lot of studio spaces Mm -hmm. um, and then we did 
performances overseas and they've been at bigger spaces uh but it's that weirdest thing like i was watching the video of the show last night just for myself just to kind of remind myself of what was that experience to be in front of a, an audience yeah and i was like oh my gosh that was my baby that was my show that was a show we did for so long in front of so many so many people yeah. um, and to now think of it in a different platform is really exciting so it's been a big journey for you you've done it all over the place yeah so quarter life crisis first started off um as an idea that i had and then developed it and then it had its first outing at the edinburgh fringe um as part of the underbelly untapped award um mm. and it was my first time doing a show at the fringe and underbelly really looked after me they supported me and everyone who was working on it just to be able to bring the show to an audience every single day apart from my one day off at the fringe um, <laughs> you get that magical monday don't you <laughs> that one day and you feel lost because your body is so used <laughs> to that do? routine right I, 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 I literally was like Everyone said to me, don't go and see shows that day. Go and lie down, just relax. Um, and I'm like, what is that? Yeah, how do you do that? You forget at that point. You totally, totally do. Um, because you do feel like I've been doing this routine up until, what is it, like 15 days in or something like that. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. And you've been doing it every single day, even before you've arrived at the Fringe because you've been rehearsing. So to have that one day off, you're like, okay, uh, what do I watch now? Uh, <laughs> yeah it's so odd so this show you you play a character in this show it's a play yeah it's a play yeah mm -hmm. and how is it based on your own experience in any way or what i would say it's inspired by lived experience everything i write um on the most part tends to be inspired by lived experiences mm -hmm. and then i take the creative license uh, to be able to yeah. fictionalize it in any sort of way i want which i'm really excited about um which is the the beauty of being a writer yeah yeah and do you write for other people yeah so um after doing quarter life crisis i then got the opportunity to write for other people in different mediums so i did um a theater show which uh, was for the national youth theater which was for about 20 characters um so you go from writing a one-person show to like 20 people yeah. uh, <laughs> and then i did um a tv project called bbw and that had like so many characters and that's also a different medium so that felt really nice to start stretching myself out in different ways yeah i mean does this feel like a sort of a return to your roots then just just standing alone on a stage or in a shed just doing your thing it really does and it makes me miss live performance so much yeah, it makes me so. miss the audience like i realized once again from like watching my video i was like okay yeah i do theater but it kind of feels like how a comedian would feel because my show is so heavily reliant on an audience yeah you constantly bounce off them um and that is just so much fun because you never know what's going to happen right of course yeah and i think we i think people understand that about comics because it's specifically laughter yeah but for theater it's it's a bit more subtle than that so people maybe don't understand how, how much the audience has to be involved yeah you you do definitely rely on their energy um, yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah so, so what have you been doing during lockdown to keep yourself sane then well a combination of things i think like most people uh joining up to multiple 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 zoom chats um oh, <laughs> endless i know don't even start me about zoom so going on a zoom going yeah, on a google yeah. meet meeting with friends online you know those ones where as soon as it happened every single friend i had was like hey we're gonna have like an online get together who wants to join and obviously you want to because you want to feel like connected with people yeah um, <laughs> so i was doing quite a lot of that obviously I had to watch hamilton i'd seen of it on course. stage but i had All to see right. it online H have you seen it yet I've not seen it yet. I've actually got Disney Plus. I don't know why I've not. I've just not got around to seeing it. Oh my gosh, you have to, have to, have to. It's 
Oh, it's such an amazing show. I can't even watch it tonight or any night now because I'm watching the brilliant Shedinburgh Fringe catalogue. Exactly. Like tonight I'm watching your show, so absolutely don't don't encourage me to watch Hamilton tonight. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what you could always do? Post Edinburgh, like this is kind of what I did when I was at Edinburgh Fringe. I had a list of shows that I wanted to watch. So actually at that point it was Handmaid's Tale. So mm-hmm. the last night, um, we sort of like did the show and then we stayed up till really late in the morning watching binge watching The Handmaid's Tale because right. we've missed it all. So just, just get stuck into telly. The theatre's over now. Yeah, because you know what it is? Because you, you have this whole like experience of live performance and you go, okay, let me let me consume something else. And I guess Hamilton is kind of that bridging the gap because technically it was live. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And it was recorded live. Uh, so it does feel like you're kind of at the theatre again. So it's just an extension of this. Yeah, so have you been able to get into those those recorded live performances? Because some people say, I can't I can't bear it, it's not right, it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what? I I saw, like, the Hamilton one, I felt like I was there. It was mm-hmm. really well done. Um, it's so beautiful. And also, like, the things that have been showing at Shedinburgh is really, really great. So it's been lovely to see those different live performances in different ways and seeing comedians adapt to it as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think what we realise, in fact, is that if it's done right and if the performer embraces the, the medium, mm. then we can, it can be done. Yeah, definitely. Because I've seen it done badly too. <laughs> Trying to film live events and live comedy and stuff and it's just failed. But mm. the stuff at Shedinburgh is just... It just works. I don't know. I don't know how they've done it. They've p- played some magic. So you're um you're kind of in the middle of the program here, but you're at the you're in the Soho end of the program. Have you done work at the Soho before? Yeah. So Quarter Life Crisis was here. Um, oh right. This time two years ago, I want to say. Yeah, so it's been with you for a, f- a few years, yeah? Yeah, it's been with me for a few years. Um, I took a break from it. I hadn't done it for ages. And then now it's sort of like having it sort of like resurgence. People are like, oh, that show, can you bring it back? I think because it's a one-person show as well. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot easier to stage, um, yeah. especially in our new world. So I think it's having its sort of like moment again. Yeah, we should all make sure we write a solo show in, in lockdown, <laughs> huh? So we can get a tour. <laughs> right, it's like solo shows, everybody. Solo shows about Zoom chats. It'll be all the rage. I mean, can you imagine next next festival, how many Zoom the musicals we're going to have? I'm here for it. I, Because I, I, the, <laughs> the best thing is that you're at your own home. Uh, you can literally, the bartender is generous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all available to you right there. Everything is available. <laughs> so what was your kind of life experience before this show happened what what did you come from where did you train uh yeah so i i I went to the brit school um (laughs) yeah i was i went to uh, the brit school it was really good fun i went from a really young age um and then i went until graduating into like university and everything um and i basically got into theater through watching a lot of shows there was this scheme going on I don't know if it was across the whole of the UK, but it definitely was happening in London where you could see theatre for free. Um, And through seeing theatre for free, I was consuming so much theatre at least like three or four times in a week. Um, Wow, that's so fortunate. (laughs) Yeah, because it was free. You know, literally you could go to see anything. So I was like going to the Barbican. I was going to the Young Vic. I was going everywhere. That's so cool. Everywhere. And that just kind of led me into theatre from watching it to then joining up to Young People Scheme and Mm. then um, doing the Young Vic Directors Programme, which is where I met the director for the show of Quarter Life Crisis, Jade Lewis. Um, So we worked together really closely. Um, So it's been a really 
yeah, an amazing journey to go on. That's amazing. So you knew from a young age then that this is what you wanted to be involved in? I knew aspects of it. I didn't know yeah. it was going to be theatre. I knew I, I was in t- interested in live performance. I was interested in entertaining. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I used to do shows at home. Oh, yeah, please. Did you I do mean, shows? I had a theatre in the loft. Built. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. People had to come up to the loft and see these productions. What was your, like, biggest show that you did? Um, I wrote a play. My first play that I really wrote was called A Better Man. It was a one-man play, mm. and my friend starred in it, and we did a two-week run in my loft. We did a show every night. We sold wow. tickets. My my other friend, the, the, one of the most exciting days in our young theatre careers was when he discovered that if he didn't put thread into his sewing machine, he could run the tickets through it up oh the middle my gosh. and it would make them perforated. And, and we were so, I mean, I've never been so excited in all my life. Oh my gosh, that sounds brilliant. We I'm, took it pretty seriously. Tell me about yours. So mine was a combination. I did variety shows. Oh yeah. Um, so I started off with Britney Spears. I even made my own costumes. Um, <laughs> then I did Destiny's Child. Yeah. Um, there was, I don't know what this video was of like, I think it was Beyonce, it was Destiny's Child and Britney Spears on tour together, I think. So I knew the set really, really well. So I mm-hmm. do Britney Spears into Destiny's Child, back to Britney um and i also obviously everyone did the spice girls so i did the spice girls on tour um but a lot of the time i think it was definitely destiny's child i have a younger sibling and so she played the other parts while i was always taking the lead um of course she she hasn't she hasn't let that go to this day (laughs) yeah i mean my parents were always like so so you play the lead and you're the stage manager and you know i was doing costume designer as well i did the costumes like i i even like I got this outfit that I cut and there was, you know, back in the day, every artist, the costume changed on stage. So I had Velcro mm. at the side that I'd rep and I'd have another <laughs> outfit underneath. <laughs> like I did the whole show. Like I legit did this. Um, I had a lot of spare time. I don't know what school was saying, but I clearly had a no. lot of spare time. No, that's all I did. <laughs> like all day Saturday and Sunday I was up there. My parents never had any kind of concern about me being on some street corner <laughs> drinking because I was up the loft. Yeah. yeah. In See, the freezing cold. We were preparing them for this moment in time for, yeah. for us to be doing what we do now. Totally. I mean, I did that. I did a panto a few years back, and I was I was directing, it and I was standing in the in the stalls, looking and, and trying to make a decision about. I think about the uplighting on the tabs or something, right? Mm. And then I just had this moment where I was like, "This is exactly the same as when I was a kid. It's just a bit bigger." Exactly. I mean, I'm standing just just in charge of everything, <laughs> making big decisions <laughs> and hoping people will show up. That's it. It's literally the same yeah. thing. Uh, it's I I feel like I'm so glad to know I'm not the only person who did shows at a very young age and really took it very seriously. Yes, absolutely. And then when we got our first uh, video camera, then it was I was a filmmaker all of a sudden, and then I was trying to f- get find out how to edit movies and you know. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! I see. I see. At that point, that's when I I was doing my Spice Girls rendition and I was learning about performing to camera. I never graduated into finding out how to do the actual thing myself. Right. Um, you did the performance though. Yeah, I, I think I was always that I need to be in front of the, the camera. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have learned how to edit because I could have done some really great stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my editing was terrible, but I think I, I think I went through a phase of like having seen a couple of Louis Through documentaries. And I remember there's a couple of tapes existing of me hanging about. This is, by the way, when I'm a grown up hanging about our neighborhood doing like spoof documentaries. Like, hello, I'm here in Glasgow, one of the most dangerous cities in the world, that kind of thing. Oh my gosh, like, your voice changed so amazing. I was like, wait, who? <laughs> who else is on this call? Say hello. Is somebody else here? What was that? That was amazing. See, this is what that's what I've spent my life doing, just like you. So oh. do you have the same feeling when you're in the shed, for example, or when you're 
on a stage in the Soho as you did when you were a kid. Does it feel the same, do you think? I think it feels a little bit more daunting sometimes because, you know, okay, so you know, like any creative slash maker slash child star as we were, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you go from being the lead and having your family member's cousin, whoever, behind you to then Mm. getting into the real world and then you might not have all the parts slash you are the tree if you are in a youth theatre production. You're the cousin then, you're behind. Right, I, I I got... demoted and i was really upset um (laughs) then i wrote a play and i was like now i have all the parts and now (laughs) (laughs) that's why you start writing so you can be the star again i'm like hello i have all the parts and then i'm like oh my gosh i wish there was somebody else with me on stage just in case um (laughs) that's scary then you're like oh i've done this to myself of course right you you then every night you go why did i do this to myself again but then ultimately (laughs) when you get in front of an audience it then feels like being a kid again because you're performing people have legit shown up rain shine mm-hmm. got their childcare, taken some time off work to get here early or whatever it is to come and see the show with you for however long you're in that space and it just feels so magical um yeah. I'm, i always feel so honored to be able to do shows and to be asked to come and do shows and perform in front of an audience. Yeah, what a thing. I mean, not I mean, we did our, we made our shows when we were a kid and people had to come and see it. It was like, you have to come and see my show. But <laughs> I mean, they were pretty much forced off the street in my street. But now, as you say, like for people to have make to make the choice or to ask you to do it, mm-hmm. it is an honor, isn't it? It really is. Like, I am always so grateful and so thankful for the opportunities that I have to be able to share work and to be asked to to perform you know and people believe in it and the the thing that was always the most nerve-wracking and daunting thing is two years later after doing edinburgh fringe i still get people say i saw your show at the fringe i really loved it when people knew i was doing shadenborough people tweeted and were like oh i remember the show i really enjoyed at the fringe and you think wow i can't believe you remember it there are so many things you've watched since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really big compliment, especially from French shows. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you could be forgiven for thinking that people would be saturated at the French so much. Yeah. But if you do it right, you can see the most amazing stuff in the world, can't you? Yeah, honestly, the French is such a beautiful place and I'm excited uh, for next year. Hopefully it comes back next year. I know, I hope so. Especially, you know, because of Shedinburgh raising so much money to help people come to the friends you know who, who otherwise maybe wouldn't be able to it's brilliant yeah it's such an important thing did you have a plan for the fringe this year uh just to go as a person watching shows oh as a as a human as a as a as a human with a with a, with a, a flask a flask water. and an umbrella yeah right you have your little <laughs> yeah. water flask because yep. you know wherever you're at you're like i need i need a drink i need some water yeah. always have that have your umbrella um and then just be prepared to see your mates and be out till like 1am you know it's joy isn't it just running sweatily from one venue to the next there's so much joy in it yeah but it's it's sad not to do it but i suppose it's it is for the best we know that a thousand percent yeah so um what's what's kind of in the writing canon at the minute are you working on something new yeah so um during this lockdown period i've been working on some different projects um which have also the the weirdest things have happened where you're kind of like oh yeah i'm gonna do this thing i'm gonna submit for this competition so Mm. i've been like shortlisted for a couple of like writing awards and things um and currently developing a new show with jade lewis the director for Mm. quarter life crisis Uh, we're making a new thing um and then just working on um a couple of pieces some passion projects for myself and then some things that i've got 
on commission i think as a writer you're always doing something yeah i think you have to be to some extent i think as an artist you have to be because otherwise you well for me like i don't stop you know i always pick up an instrument or i'm recording something you know i can't stop myself oh my gosh you play music yeah i play the accordion and the piano oh my goodness i wish i could play an instrument because in my mind i'd be like alicia keys and i'd just be playing and singing everywhere like <laughs> <laughs> of course in our minds we're fantastic right like i literally just be there like, that's my dream just to be able to play the piano and be like i'm not gonna sing because i'm really bad and people might tune off after that but i just want to be like <laughs> some people want it oh do you know oh, what yeah. i mean do you know that you know when she's like there and she does the does the whole like piano riffing and everything oh man it's uh, the piano is a great instrument because you know often there's a piano lying around and you know at parties because guitar is very annoying at parties usually (laughs) play smoke on the water again (laughs) but like if there's a piano at a party and someone can actually play it it can be a real joy or you're in a theater there's always a piano so dusty piano in the corner you can get a tune and get a sing song going it's joy oh my gosh you are that person and i wish i could do that that would be my you know when people say oh what's your party trick that would be mine i do a like a medley once again the child in me i'd probably do (laughs) (laughs) i do like a bit of frank sinatra because i feel like you'd be like you know i mean on a piano then do a bit of Alicia keys and then I don't know, like a like a, a rendition of like the popular song at that particular moment. Um, yeah, yeah, but like a good cover, like a clever little edge to it. Yeah, a mashup. You know how like in Glee yeah. they used to have those really good mashups, and people are like, oh my yeah. gosh, that's that song. Um, once we again, postmodern jukebox, Brian and Yolanda. Exactly, but once again, I feel like I'd want to have the show to myself. <laughs> so you'd be raging that I'm even there. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like. <laughs> Oh, so great you joined in. Thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> when are you going home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when have you got your flight booked? <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other thing I suppose about our business is you do get those collaborations that you don't see coming. You just you bump into people, especially in Edinburgh. You just bump into people and then before you know it, you're doing a thing. You know, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I do love a good collaboration. I think when you, I always say this, when you find the collaborators that you enjoy working with, it's that marriage, right? And you go, oh, it's amazing. I want to stick with you and I want to make work with you. I want to play. Um, someone once said that to me once. I was doing this like devising pro- project and they were like, I just want to play. And I was like, mm. oh, that's such a good thing to say. So I always say, oh, I just want to play. I want to play. Some people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, you know, for me, it's all about playing. And they're like, what? But it's called a play as well. Mm. There's no mistake there. It's very true. Know? Very, very true. So you're just about to go and do your play in the shed. Have you had a look at the shed? It is gorgeous. When I saw it, I was I literally was like, this is beautiful. I love this. Who it's designed so sweet, this? I want it? this. This is beautiful. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know. I think I tried to imagine how it would work, but it, somehow it just works. Have you been watching some of the other stuff? Oh my gosh. Honestly, such an amazing thing to create. An idea yeah. to come up with, hey, let's do a shed what yeah. that's so yeah. amazing yeah it just just works I've, and i get the privilege i get to watch every show and talk to every person who's <laughs> in a show so it's just like wow such a great position to be in it's amazing yeah and you're on the first uh, night of a double bill as well have you met your co- co-star yeah so joe um i had actually seen his show uh, monster at the vault festival a couple of years ago loved oh. it loved it um so I've, yeah and i've also known joe because we were in a similar uh, writer's room at the bbc so like i knew i've known him for a little while right oh perfect <laughs> it's a small world isn't it all this business honestly the arts is small and it doesn't matter where you are in the country or in the world 
it's the weirdest thing. Literally, you could be someone, someone like, oh, you know this person, this person. You're like, how is that possible? Yeah, yeah. The names, the same names come up again and again. Thousand percent. Yeah. Listen, it was so great to talk to you. I'm going to let you go and get in the shed and do your thing. Thank you. Thanks for having a chat with me. Brilliant. I'm so looking forward to seeing the show. All the best. <laughs> Thank you. The infectious energy of Yolanda Mercy there. Brilliant. So lovely to talk to. I mean, I feel like I get to know people in, in a quick way in these little interviews. You know, we've never met. We've never, we, we didn't even get to sit face to face and have this chat. And yet some flow happens sometimes that you just find your way into these conversations. And I just really enjoyed it. So if you want to support this podcast, if you've listened to it and you're thinking, hey, this is good. I'd like to help out with this. Then remember that it is my job. I do it for free at the moment, um, apart from, of course, the people who are already becoming patrons to the show. But anyway, if you'd like to support me doing this work, you can go to puttingittogethercast.com and click the yellow donate button. You can give a small amount every month, you can give a large amount, a one-off, whatever you want. Uh, If you've got a wee bit of spare cash, and I'm talking a few quid, then you can support this show and uh, help it to keep happening because it's a huge amount of work as you can imagine and we've been running for nearly three years completely free. So bear that in mind, think on puttingittogethercast.com and click the yellow donate button. Thank you in advance. Now I'd like to bring you a chat that I had with Joe Selman Lever just before he went into the shed to perform his show Labels, which I thought was, was wonderful and so kind of, what's the word for it? I don't want to say simple, but you know when when someone has a really clear um, aesthetic, you talked about it in the interview, a really clear aesthetic um, that you can really grab onto. That's what I loved about this show. Um, we knew where we were with it. We, we understood the, the tone of it so quickly. Um, and his performance style is so accurate, so precise. Um, and this clarity of speech as well, everything about it, you just go, okay, I'm, I'm in safe hands, I know where I am, sit back and enjoy. And of course, you don't sit back, you kind of sit forward because of some of the stuff that gets talked about. Some of the some of the terrible, terrible stuff that, that we know goes on with people being labelled, racial slurs, these types of things. Um, and I think Joe handled that in, in a really, quite a tasteful, quite an elegant way um, for such for such a heavy uh, subject matter, uh, there was a lightness of touch to it, which I always like. Um, it was funny and sweet, and as I say, precision rang, rang through it for me. Anyway, I hope you got a chance to see it. Whether you did or you didn't, sit back and listen to Joe talk about his work and get some insight into to what makes him tick. Here he is, he's with me, and we are putting it together. You're in the first uh, two show day. Yes, very which is exciting. not, of course, unusual for you know for a fringe situation, <laughs> but for the Shedinburgh fringe, it's a first. It is, and um, yeah, I know that it's a it's a big ask for everyone here. <laughs> so yeah, it must be pretty frantic down there in the theatre. Yeah, yeah. So they're all um, they're all doing a million things and doing them amazingly. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When did you last do this show before today? Uh, that's a good question. It was probably. Yeah, it would have been February at the Vault Festival. Oh, oh a, you did a Vault Festival. Yeah. Was that the first time it was on? No, uh, it's taught for a while, this show. And um, I, I was kind of doing it sort of in conjunction with a new show I was making. So um, 
yeah, Vaults asked if I would do, <laughs> they asked if I would do all three of my solo shows in one day. And oh that was, um, including, I think, teching two of them in the morning. Of, them. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, naturally. <laughs> so uh, that was interesting. Uh, it was fun, but I was very tired by the end. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Are they made to go together or do they just go together because they're all you? Um, no, they mainly go together because they're all me. But um, yeah. yeah, I think they're like, you know, Pixar films or something where they, uh, it, not in terms of quality, <laughs> but in terms of, they, <laughs> I'm not comparing myself to, to, to Pixar. I mean, I'm sure uh, it's wonderful. I mean, um, in terms of, you know, you, there are little Easter eggs and, um, you know, yeah. you can imagine them all existing in the same universe, even though they're not all sequels that makes sense yeah yeah of course yeah yeah <laughs> i mean they all come out of you and, exactly um so f how long have you been creating these works uh well that's a good question as well i i think i mean over 10 years i yeah labels started life when i was still at university i kind of wrote the the beginnings of it then and mm -hmm. it just took a while to sort of germinate and become a, a full show um yeah, yeah so they and uh, that was true for an, another of my shows actually as well. So I guess, yeah, they've, some of them are just like bubbling away for a, quite a while and um, some have been more recent, but yeah, yeah. Uh, let's say, let's say about a decade. <laughs> it's amazing when you actually think back to the amount of years that have gone into things. Yeah. You know, I think people, I think it gets mistaken that what you do is an, an hour's work in front of people, but actually the, the years of sweat and toil yeah. that go into that. I know. And I, I can forget that just myself watching a play or a film or something you know because i think um you get swept along in the in the journey of it and the, and of course what you're watching is like you think well of course it can only ever have been this you know like it was just sort of yeah but like that yeah like, that. Yeah, like came yeah. like entered the universe as, as, as a complete thing like that but yeah we mm -hmm. we all know that that's not true um and what was your experience at university what what, what were you studying i did a drama degree um right. and i loved doing that because it was we got to sort of pick and choose um, different modules that we were interested in. So it wasn't strictly an actor training course, although there were lots oh, okay. of components of that. But, you know, mm -hmm. you could specialize in directing or playwriting, dramaturgy, um, device theater. You know, there's all sorts of things. And, right. um, you know, most of the people teaching were, you know, practitioners themselves. They were making their own work. So that was always really fascinating as well to kind of, mm -hmm. yeah, hear, hear their process. And it was just this, this great mix of theory and practice, which I just really loved. Um, and there was a particular module led by Lorraine Sutherland called Theatre of Memory and Autobiography, where we looked a lot at mm. um, solo artists like Spalding Gray and Holly Hughes yep. and Tim Miller and um, Bobby Baker. But also oh, we, yeah, we kind of, Bobby. yeah, but we also um, studied people like Cantor and um, uh, yeah, it, it's just a, a you know, huge array of, of, of people and um, I think that was one of the ones that stuck with me the most just because I've I've ended up making a lot of shows about my own life and about memory and the nature of memory um, yeah yeah I've just always been really fascinated by that yeah I think that's similar to my experience I think because you know we studied a lot of performance practitioners live art performance artists and stuff you know makers and less about being an actor more about I suppose presenting things in a space for an audience you know yeah. experiences what, what um how did that impact you know you and your work um well i went into the course which was called contemporary theater practice kind of not really knowing what it was yeah um i was a very naive 18 year old <laughs> i'd had a lot of theater experiences but i i wasn't very awake i wasn't very politicized uh, so i just kind of i got a place on this course and i just went and did it and uh 
after about a week, I, I sort of realized that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be and it probably wasn't really suited to me. But um, I'm quite stubborn and I also don't like to rock the boat. So I stayed for four years <laughs> and uh, got so much out of it. And I think, you know, for me, it's like, even if the material, the actual stuff of the performance doesn't interest me, the ways into it, um, the approaches to making it and the kind of ways of getting started and of collaborating were all useful, no matter what you apply them to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So even now as a musician or as an actor in a really quite a traditional setting, I still think you can apply a lot of that stuff. You probably find that yourself with, with acting. Yeah, completely. I think it, you know, it all comes down to storytelling or, or most of it does. <laughs> yeah, ultimately that's what it is. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think kind of, you know, I'm someone who wears, you know, different hats and, and kind of, you know, some days I'm mainly a writer, sometimes I'm mainly an actor and some days I'm, I'm other things. And um, I think what you've specialized in, in terms of what you've made or how you've learned, um, you know, can really, uh, what am I trying to say? I guess, I guess, you know, like when, when I'm writing, for instance, there's, I, I know that I'm drawing on stuff that um, I could only have learned in a kind of performer training context or, yeah. you know, I, I like to draw for instance. And um, I've, that's always been a, a love of mine, but, but really just a hobby. Um, but it's definitely made its way into how I've made shows, you know, labels for instance, has kind of got this visual motif of black and white labels and, paper and you know how, how far can you kind of push that sort of just visual idea I guess and that you know so um yeah you definitely oh well, I anyway like to like to take you know different ways in which you think and like to work and kind of meld them into other things I suppose it's like different paths up the same mountain if you've got a, yes an end point you want to get to or, or something that you a story that needs told it's like well how am I going to tell it this time definitely yeah that's that's a great metaphor different parts of the same same mountain <laughs> it's how many how many fringes do you reckon you've been to then um five is that right just five you feel like it feels like everyone around here is like a serious veteran they've been for decades you know because people talk yeah. with such such eloquence about its place in the world and stuff like that i mean yeah what do you think the impact on the arts scene has been you know this year with everything that's changed well i think a lot of us is you know very worried um and yeah it's sad to be not not doing you know new shows if that's if that's what you know you were going to go up with a, with something new i feel yeah. you know very much feel for people who um who hadn't had their fr first fringe yet you know we're, we're about to take up something you know something new for the very first time and haven't had that yeah. chance this year so i just hope that that can change for well if not next year, then, um, I mean, please not, let's not, <laughs> let's not go without two years of it, but, um, no, of course, you know, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, if, if not, if not then, then soon we can return. But, um, uh, yeah, it's also, I suppose though, um, you know, missing something, being without something, you know, makes you realize the value of it maybe in a way yeah, that you had sure, before. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I hope that, you know, if, uh, I hope that, does remain you know that, that people people do value it in a in a renewed way um when it can return well it feels that way already it feels like people are stro so strongly missing a thing that often we would complain about <laughs> it might have changed our perspective already yeah so you say oh god it's so crowded and i'm so sweaty and i don't everything's <laughs> overpriced you know and now we're like oh please let me eat an overpriced sandwich and sweat in some tiny venue <laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it um no i'm uh, for sure i had my you know my gripes and complaints and about just um you know th yeah th there are things about it which were difficult um for for artists and 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 also made it hard for audiences sometimes to you know see as much as they would like and and um yeah there are things that are sort of prohibitive about it 
Um, mm-hmm. But I suppose that doesn't that doesn't change the um, yeah the value of it and, and kind of how special it is. I think it just you know if we can if we can return with yeah a new sense of value for it and maybe think about yeah. some of the things we want we might we might want to change. You know, a chance to sort of build uh, build a new but with with um, I'm trying not to say build back better just because I saw it on a on a slogan somewhere. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, so in so many words, yeah, that's what you. Mean. <laughs> I get you. So you're about to do the show that you've done many, many times, but in a in a different space. Have you had to adapt it at all? Yeah, um, tried to sort of think about, um, yeah, reducing some of the movement to a, a smaller space and um, mm. thinking about cameras as audience members. Um, the show really, you know, like there isn't a fourth wall as such in in the show. Like the 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 audience of you know, very much in the room with the audience. It's one of those right. one of those shows, and so, you know, the thought of doing it without um, real people to kind of have that dialogue with um, is, uh, yeah, scary. <laughs> but, yeah, um, better as yeah. But uh, you know, again, we're all finding these new challenges and uh, trying to see them as opportunities. So I, I'm, yeah, really looking forward to seeing seeing how it works in um, in this space in this context. Well, it's amazing to me that the things that have already worked that you, you might think wouldn't, you know, mm. like in terms of the program that's happened already with Shedinburgh. Oh, yeah. It's worked, you know. Have you caught any of the stuff so far? Yeah, I've tried to watch as much as possible. I was away for the very start, so I, I didn't see that first weekend, but I watched most of them last week um, and just loved loved all of them. And yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. There are, there are moments which, um, and, you know, of course, watching it, you know, I hadn't actually seen the, the shows um before and you know in, in the kind of original context but um mm-hmm. you could totally see moments that oh yeah that would have that would have really you know everyone would be in hysterics at that point and of course it's it's just me watching it alone on a laptop so it's not quite the same feeling but you it's still yeah. that sense of connection and um liveness um yeah you're absolutely right there were lo- there was loads of things that uh, that worked that you you know we we maybe wouldn't have tried um or, or wouldn't yeah. you know before and i suppose as an audience where we have to trust people that are watching as regular audience goers they probably are regular theatre goers to kind of as you say almost imagine mm. where those moments would be definitely because like we we all we can all feel it I'm, but i've been laughing out loud because i've just been yeah. like i'm just gonna try to imagine that i am in that situation yeah. you know yeah you're right it's like um it's like an extra layer of imagination onto to which we already you know this already yeah <laughs> relies on imagination so much it's, it's like adding an extra layer of it isn't it yeah for sure <laughs> so have you kept busy during this lockdown or have you had some time off um no i've been pretty busy writing and just applying for things and doing all you know um doing all the things filling out think, forms you mean yeah yeah you know funding yeah. applications or little opportunities um that, that pop up and um that kind of thing yeah but um also watching loads of films and playing loads of games and um yeah yeah, yeah. trying to are you a gamer yeah yeah i love oh are love you games. right what do you play um okay this is all we're going to talk about now <laughs> I'm well i'm not but i'm just interested <laughs> no no it's, it's, sorry I, I meant i meant like if you get me started um <laughs> you won't shut me up about it <laughs> okay um uh yeah um uh, well i mean i'm a nintendo fan and uh right. love legend of zelda and mario and yeah um so mainly been playing my switch um right yeah do you go online with that like and play other people do you know what that's that's been a really lovely thing because um there i I did a bit before but not loads and actually you know uh, in the last yeah few weeks and months um there's just been a lot of 
um, yeah, like someone will set up a Zoom chat and a few of us will play some Mario Kart or something, and it's just really nice. It kind of yeah, mm-hmm. it's not the same, but it's 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 strange how quickly you know that can become like a new habit, like a new kind of regular um, yeah. thing, and it's just yeah, really lovely. It's, it's it was sort of become this Friday night tradition with a few of us um, to kind of start the weekend off. <laughs> now, I think what we learn is that we're we're amazingly adaptable in in those kind of terms because like. I'm just on Zoom all the time and I'm just, it just seems, it's the new normal. I know, yeah. It's no longer, it's not weird, it's not, you know, it's not exciting for sure, but it shows you that we can adapt and maybe maybe the same is true of, of live performance to a degree. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm really interested in that because, I mean, how, how did you find it with like at the start with um, getting used to trying to read people's facial expressions and, you know, on a 2D screen, like it just, I found it really it's, strange. Did, did you? Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, I think I I didn't do much of it, and I'm not I'm not a great quiz person. And at the beginning, that's all it was was just quizzes, and I can't be bothered with quizzes, so I just didn't do much of it. But I had also I also had a broken collarbone, and oh, no. I was just kind of confined to the house. So I did have that sort of isolation thing going on at the beginning, and then gradually I've got more and more Zoom friendly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know that I've just seemed to have got used to that as a normal way of communicating, which in a way is is sort of frightening as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, that's this kind of wonderful and also scary thing about human nature is how quickly we adapt to things, yeah. good or bad. Um, yeah. yeah, and norm- normalize them. Um, yeah. yeah, in a sort of theatre context, it's like it's really fascinating how how this kind of thing works. You know, a digital fringe, but um, also, yeah. you know, I haven't really done any of these yet, but I've, I've been sort of reading about slightly more. I guess interactive stuff that has things that have elements maybe of games or escape rooms or um you know kind of trying to trying to push yeah. what the technology of this allows you know what what the kind of reality of us watching this via screens using the internet um kind of yeah. enables us to do but it still be live performance as opposed to you know film or tv yeah it's like where the where's the the line as well yeah. we're pushing that and, and muddy in the line for sure yeah I don't know if you saw the the uh, Immigrant Jam show the other night. I didn't know I was away for that, I'm afraid. So the thing I loved about that was, which I've never seen done, was it was on a Zoom call, but everyone was able to unmute themselves. So at the beginning, I'm going, oh no, I have to mute everybody. Mm. And then I realized that was so that we could laugh. And uh, then we end up having this shared experience so you can hear other people laughing, but they had it set up so that, you know, Zoom does that thing where it jumps the camera to the person who's yeah. talking. I, th- I guess they must have pinned or spotlighted the video of the performer so that that didn't happen. But so you didn't see people and it didn't jump to them, but you can hear each other laughing. So it was like we were sharing in a comedy night. How was that? Was was that? That sounds amazing. It just worked. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh. And I've seen comedy. I've seen YouTube live comedy and stuff, and I've been so disappointed in yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's the comics in the room laughing at each other, fake laughing at each other. Yeah, you're you're so right. It's um, I've been watching. Obviously, it's you know convention season in America, and um, mm. I love uh, you know Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon and you know there's there's talk show hosts, but um, yeah, and that you know they're they're kind of their jokes are still you know I would say are the same quality, but they just yep. don't land. Um, no, it's weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because there's just no one you know, and you've got maybe the band laughing or or a cameraman laughing or yeah, but know. that feels set up because yeah. it's like we we have to laugh to keep this going. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's. Um, no, it's really interesting. Oh, that that sounds amazing with Immigrant Jam. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it, but um, but they're doing that on Twitch as well. They're still they're doing that weekly Immigrant Jam. So oh, cool. so look out for it. I yeah. will check that out <laughs> for sure. And the only guy from uh, in terms of the talk show hosts I've noticed that seems to work 
is well, I quite like John Oliver as well with mm-hmm. the audience, but I really like Bill Maher because he's really dry. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think you're right. The the Fallon kind of thing re- relies on that up energy of an audience yeah. so much. It's so funny because it's, it's. I still love watching them, and they're, they're still you know really talented and funny. And and but it's mm-hmm. just um just yeah the energy's so different, and um it 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 I don't know for me it's kind of illustrated the difference between. Because what they've essentially become is YouTubers, right? They've, be- they've become, yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, um, by by necessity, they've, they've become people that are really just talking, talking to camera, and sort of. And it, I think it, because of the nature of political comedy as well, like what they're talking about, it tends to then just lean into, um, yeah, talking heads, <laughs> but with but yeah. but slightly less serious, um, as opposed to, yeah, live comedy, which is what it originally is. It just changes it so much. Yeah. Well, I hope that you don't suffer from any of these problems <laughs> when you go and do your show in the shed. <laughs> What a, what an auspicious note to end on. <laughs> That's got a bit a little bit philosophical there, didn't it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, listen, best of luck. I'm so looking forward to seeing it. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to doing it. Great. Thanks for chatting. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. Joe Selman Lever there. And before that, Yolanda Mercy. It's a double show today because it was a double show last night. And tonight, you can still get tickets for Inuit Elam's audience-led poetry spoken word event search party. It's very exciting that that's going to be happening. The tickets are available up till about four o'clock, I think. Um, but give it a go, whatever time it is, because you never know. Um, it's probably going to be quite busy tonight. But remember that tickets start at just four pounds. To see Inuit Elms, the creator of the Barbershop Chronicles, unbelievable, live on your screens. And tomorrow night, we are honoured to have Tim Crouch performing as part of Shedinburgh, his first ever play my arm so it's a very exciting time to be involved uh, so remember to go to shedinburgh.com to check out the schedule as it were and uh, you can book right on there and you can also donate to artists that have already done their shows because the fund is still open and the fund all goes towards bringing younger and emerging artists who couldn't otherwise afford it to the fringe next time so i'm sure you'll agree that's a great cause Finally, if you want to support this show, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, PetCCPod. Follow Shedinburgh Fest in the same places, hashtag Shedinburgh, and go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on the yellow donate button to support this show and become a patron. So until tomorrow, when I bring you a brand new episode at midday, I'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your day and make sure you go to Shedinburgh.com and book your tickets. Do not miss out. It's a fantastic event and it's only going to happen once. So... Until tomorrow, cheerio now.